0: What's up, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode here on RNFM Radio. You're hanging out with us on The Pulse of Nursing, and you're tuning in to episode 163. We have decided to make this a part of our Writing on the Wall series for July 2015, and we are definitely rocking out July, just killing July in a good way, though, in a good way. We're not trying to maim anyone or any month here, but July is hot, and so is RNFM Radio, and we've got a guest for you today today but I am not going to spoil that at the moment. However, I do want to remind everybody to head over to rnfmradio.com because something new here. We have a new app over there thanks to SpeakPipe. And what you can do is you will see a little tab over there on the right that says questions or comments. You click on that SpeakPipe uh, app there, and it will open up a little box, and you can leave us a message. And we would love to hear messages from you. And of course, you could certainly let us know if you want us to bring the message on the air. However, that does not mean there's no guarantee that it will be on the air. Meaning if you're like, hey, listen, don't put me on the air, but I just have a question or comment. It's a great little app. It's easy. You can use it pretty much from any device. So head over to rnfmradio.com and you'll see that little questions or comments tab over there. Now, of course, I'm Kevin Ross hanging out in my studio in Colorado. We are all we are representing the country right here. And Keith Carlson is also representing my end of the country, hanging out in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Keith, what's up, my man? I'm bringing you in right now. How you doing, sir?
1: I'm great, Kevin. Thanks a lot for that introduction. And yes, we're holding down the southwest quadrant of the country. It is a gorgeous day in Santa Fe, I was telling Elizabeth before we came on the line. It is beautiful here, and things are great. And I'm super excited about today's guest, who we will introduce, Momentito.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, hanging over here, we're Colorado, you know, Boulder area, Santa Fe, or let's head over to the east into the Baltimore neck of the woods. Elizabeth, how's the weather over there? I don't know. We're given weather reports. We talked about tornadoes <laughs> or hurricanes or something at the last one or earthquake. <laughs> we had
2: hail last time too. Oh my
0: gosh. What do we just get on hung up on this weather thing. Anyway, how I are know. you doing?
2: Get it. We, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll, we need to brainstorm a new intro for August, but I'm doing good, Kevin. And hello to Keith and Excited for the guest. But um, actually, I was telling Keith, this is one of those, you know, top 10 days because we had a heat wave where it was, you know, like 600% humidity and like 2000 degrees and you'd walk outside and melt. And now I have my windows open, which I love. Even though I'm married to a heating and air conditioning guy, I hate air conditioning. I feel like it's so fake. So I'm happy to have the windows open and have a beautiful
0: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah.
2: You learned a lot about me in that one sentence, huh? I did.
0: And I thought I knew you. I really did. Now I really know you. Now we know where the marital conflicts come from. Turn (laughs) down the air conditioning, honey. Yeah, exactly. Like, listen, I'm an HVAC guy here, you know? We've, I'm we've sitting got. Sitting
1: with
2: my sweatshirt on, and he's right. like trying to fix things. <laughs>
1: yeah. He's like, I've got to walk my talk. I have to run the AC 24 hours a day. Oh,
2: exactly.
0: Right. Oh, that's nuts. Well, we've got a breath of fresh air today, some fresh Don't. air. So open up those windows if you can. This is going to be a killer show, a killer show. So Keith, you can certainly yes, do the honor as you always have for pretty much every 160 plus episodes. I think there might've been one where I did an introduction, but anyway, you demand, you can definitely bring in our guest here. This is going to be an awesome show. I am so looking forward to it. Thank you, sir. We
1: are very excited and we are happy to introduce Katie Kleber, BSNRN. She is the woman behind Nurse Eye Roll and NurseEyeRoll.com. She's a critical care nurse located in Charlotte, North Carolina. She's the nurse advisor and editorial director of the hashtag Protect Nurses Initiative at scrubsmag.com. And she's an ambassador for Cherokee's new line of antimicrobial scrubs, which are called Certainty. She's the author of the popular nursing blog, iRoll.com, as I mentioned. And she just wrote her first book, which is totally awesome, Becoming Nursy from Code Blues to Code Browns. How to Care for Your Patients and Yourself. It's sold more than 6,000 copies since its release in November of 2014. It's available on Amazon, and the three of us have all read it over the last week. And I think all three of us have cried at a certain point, though. It's actually a very uplifting book, but there's some very moving stories, too. So, Katie Kleber, it is such a pleasure to welcome you to RNFM Radio.
3: Why, thank you. It is a pleasure to be here.
1: And we've been so excited about having you on the show. You crossed my my laptop at some point. You came into my vision sometime last year, or maybe even when your book came out. And when Kevin and or Elizabeth mentioned you about a month or two ago, I was like, oh my God, we've got to get her on the show right away. So I reached out. You and I had a great chat on the phone or Skype, and here you are. So How are you? How are you today? And how are things in your world right now?
3: Um, Well, I guess to stay on topic, it's really hot here. Um, It's pretty gross in Charlotte. It's like 600% humidity and 2000 degrees and has not (laughs) stopped. Um, But things are going great. I'm still working at the bedside and working on a couple more books and my blog and keeping busy. So.
0: Nice. Nice. Well, you know, Katie, I actually am a Virginia boy. So I was born and raised in Virginia. So I definitely know about that heat and humidity. And of course, I lived in Baltimore for a while working at Johns Hopkins. So I I totally get it. And I'm not jealous in any way that you call that humidity. (laughs) I I
3: don't even want to go outside. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. So, you know, the thing is, is that we're going to heat it up on the air. Hopefully all of our microphones will not melt because it is going to be on fire today. You're already on fire out there in the ethos there as far as your book, your platforms and everything. So we really just need to jump in on you here. We need to talk about you and this is your show. So we're going to have you take it away and just certainly tell us a little bit about the impetus of this book. And I think through that, you'll at least sort of open up your experience as a nurse and how you got started and why you got started and all of those things. So feel free to take it away, Katie.
3: So I, I've been a nurse about five years now and when I started and I'm, had probably a very similar experience to many other people. There were all these things that weren't told to me in school. It was just this common knowledge that everybody knew, but nobody really talked about, You know, like how to study in school, the best way to do that, Um, how to call a doctor in a realistic way, not in the here's the S bar Q, but in like (laughs) a real, this is how you sit down and talk to a person when you have a need, Um, how to just do some simple stuff. I had no idea how to do that stuff and I learned it on the fly so my first year I was just like why is this not written down somewhere I just spent all this money on school and textbooks but there's not like this concise thing that says this is how you manage your time when you work in critical care this is how you manage your time when you work on the floor this is how you know you do x y and z in a very concise way um, you know, because nursing school is based on the theoretical perfect hospital world, which does not exist. You know, right. you're short on supplies. You're short on staff. The doctor's not answering their pager. The, the patient's not compliant. You know, there's all these things that are very real barriers that you're not really prepared to face because, you know, the NCLEX says, um, Which order would you question from the physician? It never tells you how to call a physician and question that order. Like that's scarier to me than figuring out which order to question is to actually call the physician and say that. So um, I was kind of keeping track of all those kind of things where I was wanting to know why it wasn't written down somewhere. And then um, I got into blogging when I had a bunch of friends move away and I wanted to start a blog to kind of connect with all my friends that were all across the country. And then I noticed I started writing about nursing all the time and I was like, I don't think they want to hear about nursing. <laughs> so I created a nursing blog. or Actually, first I created the Twitter handle, at Nurse And then I created a Tumblr, um when I figured out how to use GIF images and stuff, and started typing out all those things, how to start your shift on the right foot, how to manage your time, that kind of stuff. And um, people started liking it. And I had some friends say, hey, you should make like a blog where all this stuff kind of lives, which you know seems like an obvious thing to think of, but for some reason I didn't. <laughs> and so that was August of 2013 is when I launched nurseirole.com and had, you know, some random posts go viral and had got some, um, posts on scrubsmagazine.com, um, and just kind of made some, made a Pinterest, um, made an Instagram, kind of built my, um, online, I guess, life <laughs> from nurseirole.com And then after, I think it was about a year later, I was getting the same questions from nursing students all the time well, nursing students and new grads. It was like the same 10, 15 questions. And I was like referring them to the same few posts on my blog. So I decided I should make something that I can say here, if you're gonna be a nurse, read this book and then let me know if you have any more questions. Cause I think this will answer, not only answer those questions, but also make you feel better. I have like a part of the book. It's towards the end. It's called, I think the chapter is actually called, if it makes you feel any better. And I talk about all the times that I messed up, you know, it makes people feel like, okay, you, you don't have to be perfect. You can, you know, some people do mess up. And so I put that out in November of 2014. And actually now I did, I redid my totals yesterday. I'm over, I think I'm over about 8,000 copies now.
0: Wow congratulations right. nice Thanks.
3: nice <laughs> that's awesome nice. so so yeah that's kind of what's gotten me here i guess
1: <laughs> awesome quite a story
3: I, I, I mean i have
2: i i don't even know where to begin i have so many questions i i have to i have to ask I, 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 I i'm i'm speechless oh <laughs> like oh Uh-oh.
0: elizabeth just had I a stroke feel... <laughs> she just had a stroke see i've had <laughs> okay. strokes the last couple of episodes now she did
2: i feel like kevin i'm speechless like you Just have so I have so many things to say. So where I want to start is, you know, you have so many things going on, Katie. You have um, in your bio we mentioned your work with Scrubs, your work with Cherokee, your work with your blog, your work with your work. I mean, I'm just going to start right off the bat to me where it makes sense and wonder how do you juggle it all? You know, I read the book as well, and there is a part about work life balance, but realistically, that's a lot of things to have going on. So I'm just curious how do you, how do you do all that? (laughs) And I also know from following your blog, you know, you like to exercise, you've got your husband. So like, how do you do all these things?
3: Well, I think the way that I really approach it is kind of like I approach a shift at work. I have um, time management that I use at home and at work. So I plan out when I'm going to write my posts, I I plan out, um, I'm going to get this done today. I'm going to be on the computer from this time to this time, take a break. You know, I, I'm really um, intentional with my time off. Um, I actually, I was working full time, like so three 12 hour shifts in the neuro ICU um, up until March. Um, it just got to a point where I was like, I can't, I can't do both. I have to back off of something and I really felt like it would be a lot more valuable for me to put more into the book and the blog and everything. Interesting. So, So, yeah, so now I work PRN, so I work one day a week usually, and um, I sit on a few committees. So in addition to the, you know, like I was at work for an hour today for a meeting, but I try to schedule, you know, my week in advance and say I'm going to focus on writing one post this day. I'm going to get an article into scrubs on this day and um you know after i've been doing it for a little while it, it gets a little easier like my social media i'll just kind of pepper that in throughout the day um and sometimes like with tumblr i kind of have to be a little bit more focused with that one so once a week i'll sit down and do a bunch of tumblr posts so i, I just have to make sure i'm really managing my time well but it sure. helps it helps that my husband has a little bit of an odd schedule so like so he he has appointments that he has to go to. So sometimes we'll get to spend like the morning together, as opposed to you know after six when a lot of people do. So we'll go work out in the morning together, um, you know, because that's when he's here. You know that kind of stuff. So it's it's helpful that he has a little bit of an odd schedule too.
2: Interesting. I think it's awesome how you still sit on those committees because that also is mentioned in the book. You t- can you talk a little bit about the part of the book that speaks to shared governance governance and having a voice in nursing?
3: Oh yeah, so that's one of, oh, I love doing shared governance. So um, when did I? I think I got involved with it about two years ago at this hospital, and it's I sit on committees where on the facility level where there's a professional practice and development council and that i was head of for a year and then um there's the safety and quality council a research council and a partners council and we all just kind of work together and have goals that we try to meet and you know things that we need to change from the bedside nurse's perspective Um, a lot of information dissemination and all that kind of stuff but it's great to sit down with bedside nurses from across the the facility because I get so used to my small neuro ICU, not small, narrow you know vision of my neuro ICU, which is only you know a handful of beds compared to like labor and delivery, which is a ton of beds or the NICU, which is even more beds. So it's really helpful to come to these meetings every month and just hear what's going on in the other units and what kind of challenges they're having and how it can be pretty similar to what's going on in your unit and how you can work together to fix those problems. I just, um, you know, when you're when you're used to your unit and the problems of your unit and you're around people that complain, um, it can be kind of defeating. So I think it's great to be able to put yourself in a position to be able to affect change. So when something is wrong or something needs to be changed and it sounded great on paper and in theory, but when you brought it to the bedside, it didn't work. I mean, the nurses are so valuable in their opinion and they're so powerful with their voices. It's just a lot of them don't realize where they need to take it. And uh, shared governance is definitely that that um, platform where you can say and uh, really affect change. So that's why I really like it because I'm very I, I'm really big on efficiency, getting things done um you know, in the most efficient way possible so you can do your job and support the patient and their family and, and remove as many barriers as possible. And I feel like that's what the one of the main goals of shared governance is, is to remove those barriers so that you can do your job easier.
1: Wow, Katie, you just said such a mouthful. We could probably talk for an hour just about shared governance. So <laughs> maybe we should bookmark this for another show. So we talk about shared governance because um, I think it's really important. I just wanted to make a comment about what you've been saying and relate it back to your book. And my comment is that the way that you're sharing about shared governance and how important it is and talking about the ways in which you didn't use this word, but nurses can be empowered, for instance, to really lean in and be responsible and take responsibility and be part of what's happening where they're working. I feel like your book does that in a way. Your book is like almost an encyclopedia of this shared governance of one's career. And maybe I'm making a stretch here, but what I mean to say is that in your book, you're talking about time management, how to manage your work life, how to talk to a doctor, how to prepare for the NCLEX, how to prepare for report. And you're asking questions, but At the same time, you're telling stories and inspiring the reader, and that's what I think is one of the brilliant things about your book, that you're trying to take, say, a new nurse and say, look, these are some of the things you need to pay attention to, and at the same time, meanwhile, I'm going to inspire you to be absolutely awesome in that venue. So, I just wanted to make that comment that I think you're offering a certain form of inspiration and education that's really sorely needed. And that's just what I wanted to say right here. I just felt very inspired to say that.
3: (laughs) Well, thank you. I think I didn't realize when I started nursing school and becoming a nurse, the profound impact that nurses can have on their patients and their coworkers. Um, It's pretty amazing when, you know, you can go into work and, and profoundly affect the lives of your patients. Like they may not remember your name, but they will always remember you when you were there you know, holding their hand while their father died or explaining things to them that the the family member or explaining things to them that the doctor said that didn't really make sense that first time. Um, And you're the one that said it in a way that really, okay, I get it, like dad's not coming back. Um, And if you are empowered and enjoy your job from other aspects, you can do those things a lot better. So I think and nursing is just such a an amazing career because it's it's well, I hesitate to say career. It's like a lifestyle. It's something that permeates you. You know, you take that stuff home and it changes who you are, hopefully for the better. Um, But it's it's, you know, a great job to have, you know, to be able to help people be better at doing that.
0: It is. And, And you're right. It is a lifestyle, Katie. And one thing that I wanted to build on what Keith was saying is that when i started reading becoming Nursy, what it it like jumped at me after the first few pages and and i said to myself i know exactly why this is working meaning like the the book itself just didn't come across as so highbrow and what i mean by that is i know that we're intelligent nurses are intelligent we can be very scholarly but i felt like through your storytelling and just your voice it was like you you weren't talking at people you were sharing with them you were motivating me to want to like take it to another level and I'm always trying to find that next like high gear other level or or just improving in in so many aspects of my career so I thought you know I I literally was laying there and I was like my gosh that she has something here this is really a guide that speaks to the masses because again it really speaks to me the storytelling was so sincere so authentic and I felt so connected to you and that to me in any book or any piece of content is extremely important. And you really nailed it. You knocked it out of the park.
3: Oh, well, thank you. Right After reading it hundreds of times, it's hard to have perspective on it, you know? No, it's
0: okay. It's okay. And I know, Elizabeth, I know you wanted to chime in because she's been elbowing me the whole time. She's got something else she wanted to follow <laughs> yes. up on. But I just, I had well, to build on what Keith said. Anyway, go ahead, Elizabeth.
2: No, and, and I'll bring my question up at a later date because at this point it doesn't, pertain to the conversation, but mean? keeping in line with the book and the story aspect of it, I have to tell you, and this is, again, you all be like, wow, learning something new. So I have an, a, a great uncle who's in his late 80s and um, I'd have to say as a hoarder. And so the story <laughs> about the man coming in with defeat, I mean, my uncle uh, about a month ago actually was found kind of dazed and just sitting in in filth. And um refused to go to the hospital for about three or four days to finally somehow they dragged him. I don't even know what happened. It's a long story. But when I was reading that, I was like, oh my God, that's exactly what it sounds like in terms of my own family. So I agree with both of Kevin and Keith's comments is as you're reading, you can really relate to a story that's in the book, either from personal or professional experience. So I found that actually to be a really comical part and and just want to say, oh my goodness, I can't believe you. You can do things like that because um, I don't know if you know this, but I I always say, you know, I'm not a nursing nurse. I'm a psych nurse. And then even that was kind of forced into it. So it was really interesting to read the trials and tribulations you had with, you know, the smells or, you know, the. The things you saw, I was like, oh my God, this is what real nurses do. I could never do that. So, you know, <laughs> even that, I applaud you for um, dealing with that man's feet and other, <laughs> the other yes, things well you done. shared.
1: <laughs> well done, Katie.
3: Yeah, I. Uh, there's so many things that we, like nurses deal with on a day-to-day basis that you kind of forget like, okay, if someone else saw me doing this or was just standing in the room, this would like, like change their life or like be a story they would refer to the rest of their lives. And this is like every day to me, we kind of get like so used to it that it's like, hold on a sec, you're taking maggots out of a guy's foot here, or you're seeing a neurosurgeon drill into somebody's brain right now. Time out. I can't believe that, but it's so every day now that I've, I've done things where like example, I, uh, sometimes if, um, if at work, like I'm caught up with my patients and I know some of the other nurses are really busy and they call a code, I'll go to the code to help out and like document and that kind of stuff. And I was r- running into a code with a, a coworker and, um, you know, went to the code and, and did what we did. And then on the way back, she was, we were talking and stuff and she was asking me about my book and stuff. And I was saying like, you know what we just did? Like I could write like, 20 pages about that i know it was just a normal thing to us but i could write a lot actually and i did i haven't done anything with it yet but it's like the things that we think are so normal i try to stop and uh get outside of myself for a minute and think about the moment and then i write about it later and then it ends up being something that really affects others but it's it's an everyday kind of thing for us for some reason.
0: It is, it is, and we've we've said so many times here that nurses have some of the coolest stories out there. And unfortunately, because of HIPAA, and and obviously we want to you know keep people's lives private. It's how we share it can be very challenging. And I know that there are many platforms and discussions on how to share that. And we won't go into that in detail. But we we definitely have some great stories. But Katie, what I wanted to kind of tease out a little bit more because you were talking about your schedule and how you schedule things in advance. And I, I like that. I mean, some people think that all the scheduling takes the spontaneity out of, you know, this creativity or what you should be doing. But actually, I think it kind of gets you set. It gets you in that mindset. So I'm, of course, a, uh, a serial entrepreneur. I'm a full-time, more than full-time uh, entrepreneur. So I am not an employee except of my own companies. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about your, what I would like to refer to as side hustle to get yourself, not only you're doing this PRN work still at the at the bedside or doing some clinical work, but you've got some other things happening outside of the book as well. And of course, we've had uh, Scrubs Magazine on our show a couple of times. And I certainly want to talk about that. And then of course, your relationship with Cherokee. So it really sounds like you are trying to diversify yourself, not only just as a clinical nurse, but obviously as someone who is this is your brand, this is your personal brand, this is your professional brand, this is who you are. And you really are with, through this side hustle and I think probably with all the scheduling, you're able to balance that. So what's that really looking like as you're stepping out into the world of business and entrepreneurship? Like bring us into like maybe what a day-to-day looks like or really what was the hustle? Like what, what was like the motivating factor for you to say, that's what I'm trying to go after, that's what I want. I want that.
3: Um, well, I never thought I would be doing this at all. Um, so whenever I started doing the blog, I didn't, I didn't anticipate the response I got. And then when I saw how big the need was, um, need specifically for new graduate nurses and nursing students or nurses switching specialties. So you know, maybe someone's worked in a labor and delivery all their life and now they're going to critical care. That's, that's like starting all over. Um, so I saw that there was just this big need and I have this, um, passion about helping people with that transition. Um, and and another thing I'm really passionate about is, you know, people being honest about what they know, what they don't know, where they need support to make them be the best nurse they can be and therefore give the best care they can possibly give and therefore have better patient outcomes because um, I really I really care about my patients and I want them to all get the best care that they can. And if you have a confident nurse, I mean, that's the best thing you can have. So. I saw as I was writing and interacting with people, the need was just kept getting email after email, like, thank you so much. Like, I never found something like this. So um, I've, I decided, like, from day one, okay, I wasn't in this to make money. I want to, my goal, even if I don't make any more money, is if I've profoundly helped some, or if I've even just a little bit helped somebody with their career and help them be more confident in front of their patients, that's a win for me. Like, that's worth it. I'll go back to working full time at the bedside. I love it anyway, um, but if I can help people be more competent at the bedside, that's what I care about most. So I was just trying to think about how can I support that audience the best, and part of that was having to step away from the bedside full time to be able to do that appropriately. And um, when so you know I created the book, and that took some time and figuring that out and doing some stuff wrong and everything, and then. I decided with my blog, something that was really important to me is, you know, you can create a blog and you can put a bunch of ads up and you can try to maximize your profit, but it doesn't necessarily maximize your value to your audience. Um, So I decided to do some research about what would be something that I would want as a new nurse to see, to, to talk to, to have support from. So I read some books and decided what I wanted it to look like, um, I wanted to make sure that it wasn't ad heavy. Like the big thing that is really important to me is honesty and being authentic. And I think part of that is only supporting companies that you believe in and that you personally use. So like, I only have two ads on my site and one of them is Navy socks and which you guys, I know you guys know them, um, Brian over at Navy socks and I wear them and I wouldn't put up stuff on my site if I didn't actually use it or well we can plug really for Brian it. we
0: love them too and he's a he was on the show and we love him and we love his we product do. so we can plug for the Nobby socks out there
3: right, at NobbySocks.com. Right, right. anyway yes so that like so when I was starting to kind of create this brand I wanted it to be the, the cornerstone of it to be honesty and that if you know I recommend something because I really use it I really love it um it's really important to me and so I think that that has um and, and that has really guided me on picking who I want to work with and not <laughs> um so that's kind of helped if I don't already you know like Scrubs Magazine I was already going to that site I was already wearing Dickies and Cherokee Scrubs um those were things I believed in and enjoyed and when I I, I kind of got involved with Scrubs Magazine because when my posts were getting kind of popular, I, I was like, you know what? Like, I should just try. I'll just email the editor. What's the worst thing? She can say no. Like, let's just try. So there were a few sites that I was like, let me just see if they'll put my blog post up. And it worked. And they got some good hits off of it. Um, and then kind of through Katie Duke was introduced to um, what's called Strategic Partners, and strategic partners actually encompasses scrubs magazine print and online and Dickies Cherokee heart and soul and this new line with uh certainty. So they kind of encompass all of that. So I work with them and, um, kind of honed in on their protect nurses campaign, which is like infection prevention and, and work-life balance, that kind of stuff. Um, And with these scrubs that I love and I wear every time I go to work. So um, that's kind of really how I pick out what projects I want to do, which ones I don't want to do. I'm very selective on who I work with and who I don't. Um, Because I think, you know, it's not all about how much money can I make from this. It's the motivator isn't that. It's the what value is this going to provide to my audience. Right. And then that... When you build that sort of a credibility with with your audience, you know, your ba- the bang for your buck is a lot different. Like it's like, okay, if I can get them to get her to talk about my product because she actually really likes it, then people are probably going to buy it. So um, that's kind of what has dictated, you know, um, my brand, I guess. Um,
0: that well, picks, well, no, yeah. I was just going to say, no, no, I was just in Keith, just really quick. I was just going to say, Katie, kudos to you, because whether you identify yourself as an entrepreneur, you do, you are a brand and whether we are an employee or we own our own businesses, we are these like micro entrepreneurs at whatever we do. And we are our own brand and that connection with what you're saying, I'm totally aligned with it because you know that there's a problem and you're trying to find the solution and I, and when I talk uh, among many business owners and entrepreneurs out there, and I say sometimes first and foremost we're looking for solutions here, we're trying to fill this need, and a lot of people are talking about monetizing it, and certainly from a business standpoint, you that's that's understandable. But the fact that you said that that is not your priority, and that's exactly how I align myself with too. I have to feel like this is something that not only is needed, but I want to do it. I want to provide that service, and I'll figure out the the money stuff later. But But more importantly, what it is that you said and that connection is extremely just, I mean, it's huge. So, I mean, you just blew that out of the water. And a lot of people, I'm telling you, a lot of experienced entrepreneurs don't even get that. So, I mean, A plus on that one for sure.
3: Right. And I think your audience could really tell, you know, if you're really doing it for the money, if you're being authentic about it, you know, and I think, you know, people aren't stupid. They could really tell if they're, you know, being taken advantage of. And I think, in this industry or in this world right now, I mean, as a consumer, I want, I like to go with companies and people that I feel like are being honest with me. And I will gladly pay a little bit more to deal with a company that I know is not lying to me (laughs) or trying to take Uh my money. So I'm like, well, I need to be that, you know, if somebody wants, if they want real advice about what it's really like to work as a nurse, like, I mean, I'm not an educator, I don't have my master's, but I've been working at the bedside for five years and I can tell you some helpful things, you know, uh, you know, being honest about that and not pretending like I know more than I do and and being honest about what I don't know. And, you know, I think, I think people can really appreciate that.
1: They can and they do, Katie. And, you know, what you're talking about without using the word is, authenticity and transparency and we could come up with a lot of other terms too but you're not even using the words because you're walking the talk and that says a whole lot about you and rnfm has been the same way we've had very few sponsors on the show this is episode 163 and we haven't really fully monetized the show because we're really trying to walk our talk and use the platforms and align ourselves with the people and companies and brands that speak to what we are all about as well. So I think Kevin and I and Elizabeth all really understand that and I think it's great to be authentic and transparent and Elizabeth, you are a totally authentic and transparent person out there in the world and I'm sure you probably have something to say about this too.
2: Yeah, you know, um, thank you for bringing me in here. Sure. I was just, in, I was just engulfed with the conversation. No, no. <laughs> so. You know, well, and
0: one thing quick, no, I was just going to say you're right, because Katie, you said you need to align with your ad partners or your sponsors, and it's the same thing for us. We get approached constantly, um, but if we don't like it, we don't align with it, you know, sorry. I mean, our community is just that important to us, so... Anyway, go ahead, Elizabeth. I'm sorry. I just want
2: Oh, no. All I was going to say is, you know, Keith pointed out how I'm transparent and even with my failures, which is mostly what I'm always sharing right. about how I learned this or learned that. So, agreed. I mean, that's people want to learn from a real human being, not just right. this like perfect pedestal. So, I appreciate that, you know, you sharing in your book and, and beyond the blog and all this, um, the real things you go through, because that's the real things that other people are going through.
3: Yeah, I I've noticed, you know, that was something when I was becoming a nurse, I wanted to talk to people that had, you know, had screwed up or done something wrong. And I don't know why I get, well, I guess I do know why in nursing, there are a lot of people that pretend like, oh, I would never do that. I would, I couldn't, you know, I've never done blank. And it's like, well, um, <laughs> a lot of nurses have made mistakes. Maybe they're scared to admit them because they don't want, you know, legal ramification or something like that. But Um, It does kind of produce this environment in nursing where not everybody's honest about the things that they know and they don't know because they're a nurse and they're supposed to know this, but that really facilitates a really unsafe environment. So part of my goal at the beginning, and especially with writing that chapter, was to make it okay for people to talk about things that they don't know um, so that you can fill in the gaps appropriately and that they can learn those things and therefore be safer care providers.
2: That's what I was actually just going to say. I was going to say reading the part about the mistakes and the errors and even the part where you talk about calling the doctor and saying, look, I I made a mistake just being up front. I really, that was one of my favorite pieces because, and we've talked about this recently on RNFM radio, the fact of this, you know, trying to be perfect and trying to be there all the time and trying to be always on and, you know. I feel like as a profession, we are setting ourselves up for burnout because we're trying too hard to be all these things that we don't have to be. So I really enjoyed that chapter about the mistakes and then also speaking about them honestly and saying, hey, I I made this mistake. Now let's do something about it instead of, you know, brushing it under the rug or avoiding it or pretending it didn't happen or blaming someone else. So yeah, I really, really enjoyed that chapter.
0: Well, and, and it sounds like we're really kind of talking about some feelings here, some emotions, not to say that the whole show is not about feeling and emotion. But, you know, Katie, obviously, we read the book, uh, the three of us, and of course, you authored it. So, you know, and we just want to know the impetus of nurse eye roll. What's what's behind that? I mean, because I know that initially people could be taken aback by that whole eye roll thing. And so what is, what, what can we distill or what can you help us understand about the meaning of nurse eye roll as, as a name, as a brand, as what that really means?
3: So when I was trying to come up with a name for my blog, I don't know why I could not get nurse eye roll out of my mind. I couldn't like, that was the first thing that I came up with and I tried some other names and, but I don't know why that really resonated with me. And it's supposed to represent, um, that how dynamic nursing is. So, you know, you are the nurse at the bedside and you're expected to deal with everything with a smile on your face, um, very professional, very appropriate, when sometimes all you want to do is roll your eyes. Like when I was taking care of a patient and I was cleaning them up and then I turned them and then they went to the bathroom all over again. And it happened four times <laughs> before I walked out of that room. Um, you know, it's like, okay, but I have to be professional and smile on my face, just deal with this. But all I want to do is roll my eyes. Or when you're meticulously changing a dressing and a doctor comes in and rips it off and then says, oh, it looks good. And then leaves, and, you know, all those things where you're supposed to be the rock solid nurse that's always professional, but you are the one that deals with all the ridiculous things that I've talked about in the book and, and that anyone that's a nurse knows Um, It's just supposed to represent that. It's supposed to be a little funny, a little, you know, lighthearted thing. Um, I can see how people would think I'm making fun of patients, but that is not what it means. Um, So I want to make sure people know that. Um, But that's kind of, that's that's what that means, I guess.
1: Right. I think it's great to get that clarified, Katie, because it's funny, not funny, it's interesting. I was reading up on different definitions by the ANA and other organizations about, bullying and harassment and workplace incivility, et cetera. And it was interesting. And one of the things I read, they said that rolling your eyes at a coworker, you know, in sort of an exasperated, like, I can't believe you did that kind of way, or isn't she horrible kind of way, that's considered a form of incivility. So it's good to yes. know for our listeners that you're coming from a very different place with that. It's sort of the more somewhat sarcastic, funny, like, Oh my God, I can't believe, you know, I just changed that dressing and now I have to do it again. Kind of feeling or. Yeah. Yeah. A smile
3: on your face and a little like internal, Oh my gosh. Kind of yeah. thing. Not a, not a, uh, directed at somebody right. by any means.
1: Kind of like the heavy sigh, like, ah, <sighs> oh, okay, let's <laughs> yep. do that dressing again. <laughs>
3: yeah. I have the time, even though I
0: don't. <laughs> nice. Well, you know, Katie, I think we certainly want to get a little bit deeper into the books or the book. And, you know, what I really what really resonated for me and I know that for pers- personally for you, um, I-, I know that there are some religious tones in there, which which obviously I'm I'm uh, equal opportunity, you know, regardless of your background, heritage, culture, uh, beliefs, I am I'm all encompassing, all welcoming. And And I and I felt like that resonated to you personally and then you even put that in the book talking about 10 commandments and i know that you know for people who who uh, might be christian or or religious or know about the 10 commandments but you really kind of uh, tease this out a little bit more into something that we use in the clinical setting or as nurses so let's talk a little bit about um, those 10 commandments and i mean you don't have to go through all of them but but it really, like when I got to that part, I thought, oh, wow, this really sh- could be reaching people. This really could be resonating with people and how you distilled that down for them. And so was that, um, I mean, how did that come about?
3: Well, it, it really came about after nursing school when I was like, there's all these things. Like, I wish I had this mentality when I started nursing school. Um, because it would've made my life so much easier when you have perspective after you've walked through something. And when you're in the moment and, and in school, it's really hard to remember those things, um, which is kind of why I put it in that form where it's like, even though I don't feel like doing it this way, I know I should kind of. Um, so like one of, and what's crazy is when I went to a nursing, when I went out to NTI in San Diego, um I had a nursing student she had just finished her first year and she's like I'm so glad you put those 10 commandments in there and that first one um creating a calendar of assignments at the beginning of the semester because I did that and it made my life so much easier and I didn't figure that out till like the fourth semester. <laughs> right. Um and so you know doing like I I just put in all those things that I really wish Um, Yeah, I know I shouldn't fight to the death for every single point because it really doesn't if I'm if I'm one point away from passing, that's a problem. Uh, So if I'm fighting to the death for every point and taking time in class for that, is that really where the value is in my time and the teacher's time? Um, So, you know, and and I also had like a lot of kind of listy kind of things I wanted to discuss, but I wanted to kind of do them in different ways. So that they would stick in people's mind differently instead of here do number one number two number three so that was one of my ways to kind of do it in a little bit of a different way
2: i like that because i love lists and uh i also love being organized so that whole piece was was right up my alley. But another part of the book that I really enjoyed was right in the beginning, right up front, when you talked about the black and white parts of nursing. And as I was reading that, I'm really into bringing in the art into the science of, of nursing practice um, and have a Facebook group, even community about the art of nursing. So I'm just wondering if you can speak briefly to this black and white nursing piece and and how, you know, first of all, how did, how did that come about for you? Um, and then do you see that, uh, analogy, you know, between the art and the science of nursing?
3: Like, it wasn't something I realized until I got out of nursing school and was kind of on my own a little bit, but it's really, I mean, kind of beautiful how, um, nursing you can, I don't, it's kind of hard to articulate, I guess, but you know, you can know all the technical stuff, which I call kind of the black of nursing. Like I, I know how to run epic charting. I know how to drop medications. I know how to give intrathecal vancomycin. I know how to do blank, blank, blank. But sometimes like, and actually, honestly, a lot of times your patient just kind of needs you to be able to tell the emotional climate of the room and support them in the way that they need it. And you can't learn that in a textbook. You can't learn that. um, I, I really don't think you can learn that in nursing school. It's something you learn when you You've been with your patients you you know, and you're trying to support them, and you're not just trying to get your work done and go to the next room and avoid those interactions, but you really want to support them and be there for them and their families and i And I was always like when I first started, there were a couple of nurses on the unit that I was just like, man, they always know the right thing to say, like they always know when when things are going crazy and chaos is ensuing they're the calm voice in the storm they can command a room like and, and people will listen to them and they will get things done quickly but then they'll know when to stop and and support a patient or advocate for them and it was like ah, oh, I want that like that is what I that's my goal as a nurse is to be able to have that. So that's when I was kind of realizing there's really two sides of nursing. There's people that maybe they're fantastic with that white side, that emotional, psychosocial, able to support people, but maybe they're terrible at managing their time and and doing procedures. But then there's those people that are great at procedures, but not great with that emotional side. And if you can kind of blend the two, you can really serve your patients you know, really well, because I always thought in nursing school, the best nurses were the best IV starters. I don't know why, (laughs) but it was like, if you can start that 18 gauge IV in that IV drug user's arm, like you're a rock star. But, but then when I got into nursing, it was like, man, there's, there's so much more to proceed, more to nursing than the procedures and the medications, you know, like understanding people's different, like, you know, I've lived in pretty urban areas. So, Having people of tons of different religious views and being able to support them appropriately during really terrible times, but not offending, but being very appropriate and supportive of what they're going through and trying to figure out that climate and everything. Um, You know, it's it's definitely a huge art and it's not easy. But you get you get better at it with, with more time and when you put yourself in those situations that are uncomfortable, but you get the most value out of those. And, and the families really love and, so, and, and, and patients really love when you're willing to just go sit in there when they're crying and put your arm on their back and say, you know what, my next patient, he can wait for his colase. He can wait for his heparin sub-Q injection for 10 more minutes I'm going to sit next to this crying wife and put my hand on her back and let her know that I'm right here with her,
1: you know? That's so true, Katie. And, you know, that is part of the art. And I've written in the past, and I'm writing in my current book now that I'm working on, about different types of genius. And, yeah, there's a certain type of genius in being able to put that 18-gauge needle into the the drug abuser's arm and actually get the vein on the first try, right? So, oh, yeah. But there's, there's relational genius, there's emotional genius, there's all different types of genius. And we have four different types right here on this call right now. So speaking of genius, we would like you to read a short passage from the book so people can get a little sense of not what the entire book is about, but just hearing you read your own writing and tell us a little story or snippet from, from the book that we can hear straight from you.
3: Now I want you guys to know, I have not done this yet. This is the first time I've actually read this book for people other than my husband. So it's kind of, kind of cool.
0: Really um, nice. All right. Well, you heard yeah. it here Go first. For it. You heard it first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: So, um, actually right next to my nursing 10 commandments is, um, a story about my first bed change. Um, this was when I was in nursing school in Iowa. And I, just to give people a little bit of background, before I was a nurse um, and in nursing school, I had absolutely no experience with um, changing diapers or, or any, any patient experience at all. So, like, my first nursing clinicals were terrifying because I had no idea how to interact with patients nor how to help them do their activities of daily living. So um, this is, I'm reading from page 17. It's called my first bed change. Before I could begin real nursing clinicals, I had to become a certified nursing assistant. This meant completing nursing home clinicals and doing the down and dirty work. Feeding, bathing, and cleaning patients were the priority, something with which I had no experience. So stop and think about the last time you were in a nursing home and take a full deep breath of what you remember it smelling like. Did you do that yet? Ugh. That. My patient for the day was a large woman with advanced dementia. She could not speak or follow commands. And she had lived in the nursing home for the past 10 years. Staff informed me that the family rarely visited her. Basically, her life consisted of lying in bed and being turned and changed every few hours by the nursing staff. She was fed three meals a day by a nursing assistant. That was it. That was her life which was quite the reality shock for my first day of clinicals. Nevertheless, she was my patient for the day and I was going to take fantastic care of her. So I thought, as I came in to meet her for the first time, I smelled a smell I will never forget. It was the first time I had ever smelled feces mixed with urine. It just made my eyes water. And it's actually making my eyes water right now, thinking about it. And I know I'm reading that, and that's the sentence in the book, but my eyes are a little (laughs) bit watering right now, thinking about that. (laughs) Um, It's one of those smells you can't unsmell. Okay. Sorry, back to the book. I left the room because I was in shock and had no idea what to do. Even though it may seem obvious what I needed to do, I had no idea how to actually go about doing it. How do you even move someone this large and this small of a bed to, you know, get all up in there, I thought. I went to find my clinical instructor for what I thought was guidance, but was actually just some common sense. I think she's gone to the bathroom, I told my clinical instructor. Well, better go get some supplies and and someone to help you clean her up, she said, and walked away. I think all of the blood drained out of my face, and whatever I ate that day for breakfast was flopping around in my stomach like Donald Trump's hairpiece on a windy day. So I grabbed what I thought I needed and found the first poor soul that I could find. Thankfully, that poor soul was one of the nicest people in my nursing class and she was happy to help me and I was ever so thankful. We were both first timers, the first time for me changing anyone in any capacity. No one in my family has had babies so I never even changed a baby diaper at this point. In the first time, and this was her first time changing an adult. We looked at her like she was a puzzle, unsure of which piece to pick up first, as we tried to remember our stimulation training. My, my, uh, my classmate held the patient up on her side with all of her might in that tiny, poorly ventilated nursing home room to reveal the extent of the task that lay before me. It was, a, it, it was more than I could handle. After I gagged four to five times while my classmate looked away so she didn't see it herself, I reluctantly began cleaning. My eyes started to water as the smell of stool mixed with urine and filled the room and our souls. I tried not to breathe at all, which clearly doesn't work for very long. I tried to breathe through my nose. Nope. Dry heaves, Katie. Something else. Shallow breathing through my nose? Nope. More dry heaves. I'll try breathing through my nose. Sorry. I'll try breathing through my mouth again. Nope, I'm gonna throw up. Abort, abort! I panicked because I didn't know how to breathe and not vomit on this poor woman. I was trapped. I profusely apologized to my classmate who had started dripping sweat and ran into the hallway for a taste of some sweet, sweet, fresh air. Nursing home air had never smelled so good. I took one last deep breath and ducked back in. We fumbled and struggled our way to get that woman squeaky clean. Afterwards, I found my clinical instructor and had a breakdown moment. I can't do this. I almost threw up doing the most simple thing a nurse can do. I was almost in tears. You'll get used to it. It'll get better, my nursing instructor replied. I don't know if that was a deterrent or comforting, but somehow I felt better.
0: (laughs) Well, nursing home air never smelled. that. When I read that, I burst out laughing. So did I.
3: I can like still vividly like go through. I remember I got like way too many supplies, didn't know what to do with them. Like it was, it was a train wreck, but you know what? I can do that in like 20 seconds now. Let I'm me sure
1: you. you could. And I'm um, Elizabeth's <laughs> thinking, how do you all do this? I'm, a I'm, I'm, I'm
3: kind of throwing up over here. That's why I'm silent. I,
2: I can't even take it. I'm nauseous. I'm sorry.
0: But <laughs> oh. that was the best I mean, I think as far as a connection with you and with other nurses who have dealt with the same exact thing, like I said, it, it was great that that was at the beginning of the book, because not only did I laugh out loud and, and wake up my wife, whose actually name, is, <laughs> her name is Katie. Um, oh, nice. Yes, yes. And I, I you know, we, we were talking about that and, and, and I was like, no, 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 honey, just go back to sleep. You won't understand because she's not a nurse. I mean, she is so far from being a nurse or in the, in, in the medical profession. So she doesn't really like to hear too much about what I do um not to say she doesn't care what I do but you know she that would have literally I'm sure she would have vomited on me like reading that but oh, yeah. but it was it was awesome and so I love well, I,
3: I love kind of like that's what those things like that is a very normal nurse experience but we don't always talk about the nitty-gritty and then you forget when you talk about that normal stuff to people that are not don't do that it's so gross that's out. right
1: and that's why when we're nurses and we come home from a real nursey kind of place, or even a psychiatric hospital, doesn't matter, Elizabeth, our loved ones—they're kind of hesitant to say, "So, honey, how was work?" Because <laughs> yeah. they're not sure what you're gonna say. <laughs> right.
3: Yeah, I got to the point like my mom loves like work stories, so um, and my husband—he kind of does, but it does gross him out. So if I got something really good, I'll call my mom and tell her. Or like when I was in school, like my dad was, nope, you are not talking about that to me. I will get sick. So I had to like whisper like, mom, you'll never believe what I did today. (laughs) The first time that I saw the neurosurgeon drill into somebody's brain, I called my mom right after that shift. I was like, I can't believe what happened today.
0: I'm sure she's like, I'm driving, stop talking, you know, right. I remember
1: that feeling in nursing school of going in to watch orthopedic surgery and Mm -hmm. watching them take out this, you know, it was was basically a power saw that was sterilized, you know, and the surgeon started cutting this person's hip and there were pieces of bone flying everywhere. We were all wearing safety goggles and (laughs) I was, I was, I was blown away. I didn't quite know what to think.
3: Oh, yeah. I watched, uh, I got, I I had the privilege of being able to watch an aneurysm clipping. Mm. And man, watching neurosurgeons do their thing is pretty crazy. Um, And I got to, you know, just seeing the whole process of how they actually get into the brain, like, again, using the saw, pulling back the scalp, like, Oh my gosh. I had to like step outside of myself for a moment because it's like, I can't believe what I am watching right now. Wow.
0: Elizabeth, did you hit the floor? I didn't hear any mic. No, like- I
3: really, I, I just can't deal with it. <laughs> I, re- I'm soon,
2: I need to change the topic.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, let, let's change the topic. So I know Katie, one thing you have mentioned to me, I think in an email and then in the notes we have here is that you would like this book to become required reading for all nursing schools in the United States. Tell us about that.
3: I like, you know, how, um, you know, when you're working and you want to have a goal to achieve, I'm someone that I ha- I can't just kind of work. I have to have a tangible goal in front of me. And I've had so many people say that they wish this this was required reading for them their first semester so they knew what they were getting into. And I was like, you know what? I, I want this to be required reading for all nurses. Like I want them to, to hop into my world. Like we're sitting down having a cup of coffee and I'm like, this is what you're getting into. <laughs> this is what it's like. There's some help trying to do kind of the basics. This the basics that I felt like I should have gotten and that I would like to provide. Um, and, you know, it's a pretty easy read and it, and I felt like with nursing school, I spent a lot of time reading through a lot of fluff. A lot of stuff that um, I, I really had to look in between the lines to try and find what was really going to help me in my day-to-day. And a lot of it was like bird's-eye view, 50,000 feet of what it's like. But I wanted to be like, here, here is something that shows you what it's like from the bedside realistically if you're going to work on an inpatient nursing unit. Um, so that was kind of my my thought is I would love – I would love for every student to be able to read this and, and talk about it in class and and talk about the first times that they were changing a bed or or and also introduce at the beginning a culture of talking about when they screwed up and being honest about the things that they don't know. Right. That's awesome. You know, the
2: question I had at the beginning of the show that I sort of skipped over because it was we moved on was going to be just that. You know, a lot of things we talk about on RNFM radio are the solutions. You know, we want to provide a show where we are sharing with the audience the solutions. So in the intro, and when we first started chatting with you, Katie, you know, talking about these are, the book really was things that I was like, okay, I graduated nursing school, but, but I didn't get any of that. So my question was going to be to you, you know, what would your solution be? And I'm happy to hear this is it, you know, bringing this book to nursing students across the country. So, and I love your idea of having them work in small groups and talk about the first times and, and letting them know that making mistakes is okay and then how to fix them and learn from them. So you sort of already asked, answered the question, but I'm glad we're coming back to this topic because I really wanted to circle back and, and find out, you know, if, if 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 what you learned in nursing school really wasn't what you need to know on the job, how would you fix that? And there you go. You, you've you just shared that with us. So perfect. Thank you. <laughs> awesome.
0: Hey, Katie, I wanted to take just a quick sidestep here talking about, you know, you're writing the book and, and it did take you a little bit. I just wanted to ask you just more of a, not necessarily a te- technical or artistic question is, you know, for me, like when I'm writing, whether it's a, a post or I have a podcast and I'm writing show notes, like oftentimes, like I'll just like write, like, and I won't worry about, you know, the, the grammar or like if I misspelled something, I'll just keep running on now, not necessarily a run on sentence, but I feel like if I can just kind of throw all my thoughts down that I do become a little bit more authentic instead of me focusing more on the technical aspects of my grammar, my word choice. Cause I can always go back and fix that stuff. And I was just wondering, like what, what is your writing style? Like, uh, whether it be for the book or for your blog posts? Um,
3: I like to identify like when I, the book I, kind of, I guess, cheated a little bit by using my blog and the popular posts and kind of um, ordered them in a starting from nursing school. Now I'm a nurse kind of um, thing and filled in the blanks. But, you you know, I do get those times where I'm like really um, inspired and I will just go and write and yeah, I'll go back and fix little things here and there. Um, but I'll have times where I'm like not looking at the clock, not looking at anything. I'm just like when I wrote this book, I could not type fast enough. I knew what I wanted to say and I just couldn't get like couldn't get it out quick enough. Right. Um and sometimes I'll have that with blog posts too where it's like Okay, um, I have something I think that would be really beneficial and I need to crank it out. But then there are some times where I'm like, okay, I haven't posted in a week. I really need to put something out there and what's something, you know, it's a little bit more of a process. Um, but it's like I got to go with those times when I'm like inspired or I get a really good idea. Like um perfect example was the when that Ebola thing came out. Right. And I wrote a post to a Nurse Nina and then um, – because a few days after, I was like, they're all talking about her, but nobody's, like, talking to her. So I wrote a post to her. But then a few weeks later, um, no, no, it wasn't a few weeks. It must have been a few months. Um, I don't know if you guys remember when it came out that the her doctor, like, she wanted to be anonymous in the, in the computer. It's like she didn't want people to know that she had Ebola. And, and that was not honored. So that made me upset. And then... found out i don't know if you guys saw that video that was publicized of her in her hospital room yes but the physician that took that video told her it was for educational purposes within the hospital not that it was for pr purposes and going to be released to the media and when i heard that that physician lied to her face took video of her in her private hospital room and the hospital released it i was livid And I was like, I, when I saw that, boom, I sat down and I started writing another post because I was just like, this is, this has inspired me. Rarely do I write when I'm frustrated, but this is one of the times I feel like it's appropriate. Like how ridiculous was that he should be fired? Like, and no one would ever talked about it. Like no one ever harped on the fact that he completely violated her privacy and lied to her. And so did the hospital. But, um, and they, and they publicized it. So it was just like, you know, those times when I've ha- I see something in the media or I see something that I think I really want to write about, like stop everything. I got to go home and write, where's my laptop.
0: <laughs> right. And that's good to hear and good to share uh, with the community. Cause there are some budding nurse writers out there and content creators. So it's always nice to hear like what someone else's style is. I mean, everybody's got their thing, but it's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Cause I do have those moments where I don't allow myself to hit the backspace or the delete button. Like I just keep rolling. Oh really? See, I
3: can't do that. I know, like it, it's it's
0: a trick. You kind of, you like, have to get over. But I have to like dial it in to say like this is going to be one of those things where I'm not allowed to hit the backspace or the delete because it's just muscle memory, you know. So you, you just do it naturally anyway. But I really just get into a zone and I just it's all it's it's kind of nuts because when I go back and edit, I'm like, oh, my gosh, what did I really mean to say here? I'm like, oh, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah.
3: So (laughs) like the squiggly lines frustrate me. Yeah. Which is annoying because I write with medical jargon sometimes, but it's like, oh, wait, that doesn't make sense. I have to go back. And so I have a little bit like like that. So I I always go back and adjust it real quick,
1: but. Right. Well, yeah. Writing is a different process for everyone, isn't it? You know, all four of us are writers and bloggers and, and it's a very idiosyncratic process for each person.
0: It is. Well, you know, and speaking of writing and your clinical practice and, and we talked about Scrubs Mag and of course, Cherokee. And so let's, you know, what, I mean, what's next? I mean, we could continue to talk another hour, but we're, We've definitely gone for an hour, but what in the world is next for you, Katie? I mean, it's <laughs> got to be huge, I'm sure, but obviously <laughs> chipping away little by little. But what, what, do, what do you have in the future, if there's anything that you can share with us?
3: I do. I'm working on a couple more books. I can't be too specific about their topic, but i um, working on a couple more books Um Really, what I I, I have to be careful because I really don't want to spread myself too thin or kind of, you know, I really think my value is in content creation and, um, you know, within my blog and with books. Um, So I don't want to do too many speaking engagements or too many outside of that because I really feel like the value for the audience is there. Um, So I really want to... Focus on getting these next couple books out um, and then kind of see what happens from there. I would, of, of course, I want to, I'm trying to figure out how to obtain my goal of getting this to become required reading for nursing schools. Um, so that's going to be quite a journey and hopefully continue to go to more conferences. I will be at the Magnet Conference in the fall with Capella University. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, so conferences here and there, finishing the book, continuing to um, optimize and maximize my blog and my social media reach. And, you know, trying to stay relevant and really providing content for people that is valuable is, is pretty, it's a lot of work sometimes. So um, continuing to do that is is definitely a big challenge. And we'll just kind of see what what happens from there. I don't have a huge, big, like, TV show project thing or anything like that, um, <laughs> which I don't think you'll ever see because I do not like being in front of, you know, I like being behind a mic or behind a TV or behind a computer screen, but will probably never see me on TV. <laughs> oh, but,
1: but Katie, what movie star would play you in the show?
3: Oh, I don't know.
1: Somebody, keep... <laughs> <laughs> Give it some thought. Give it some thought. <laughs> Elizabeth, who would play you in a show about your life?
2: Mm. I don't know. Hmm. I'm not really, I think I've shared this with y'all before. I don't watch much anything on television, movies, so right. I'm not into actors. Oh,
1: actresses. gosh. Well, we'll choose one for I, you. I don't know. How's yeah, that? thank you. Do that. We'll Please do. <laughs> right, right. Oh, boy. Well, Katie, you have so many platforms and your, your presence is just so incredible. And I've been doing this stuff for years and you've just like blown it out of the water in such a short period of time I'm envious and I'm also in awe and I'm learning from you as we go along so thank you for that my pleasure yeah and Elizabeth I wanted to ask you a question as a as a woman and a female nurse Kevin and I are both male nurses obviously um you're seeing Katie as someone slightly younger than you coming into the world into the nursing world and social media in such a dynamic way and how does it feel to you to see other nurses female nurses coming out into the space so strongly and powerfully and authentically what's it like for you like what do you feel inside when you experience that
2: It's interesting. I thought about this when I was walking the dog this morning, so you must have been reading my mind.
1: I was. Uh, (laughs) I was.
2: (laughs) Well, Keith, you know, what's interesting to me is because, as you know, I have been doing this for about five years myself and agreed with what you just said. I was kind of like in shock. I'm like, who the heck is this person and how the hell do they grow and expand so quickly? And, and what am I doing wrong? So, you know, my first thought is, oh my goodness, agreed. I need to learn from this person. I need to figure out what they're doing. I need to, you know, watch them and model the things that are going well. But we've talked about this a few episodes ago on r radio. It's like, you know, you can't do exactly what other people are doing. So you can observe and you can watch and you can, you know, aspire to do similar things, but you have to do it your own way. So... How does it feel to watch another woman and a young lady do this? I think it's amazing. I think I'm so proud of her. I feel uh, it's a great role model for nursing, for the profession. And I hope that more nurses find this person and then say, hey, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to be negative. I'm not going to just let nursing beat me down. I want to take my profession and, and... You know, improve it and learn through watching another person do the same, watching this inspiration. So, I think it's amazing. And I'm kind of bummed to hear about this whole camera thing because I have plans <laughs> for how I want Katie to uh, interact with me and my work in the future with the Art of Nursing program. So you got to get over that camera thing because oh, I really want to see you speak at that event. I've so, seen her anyway. on
0: camera. She's on yeah. there occasionally. <laughs> She'd be awesome. YouTube. Yeah, yeah I'll do it I you, really
3: wrote it down.
2: Yeah, haven't you done some hangouts? Myself, like, You've done a Art couple of
0: hangouts.
3: Yeah, I've, You know what I've realized? I can do like this kind of stuff, but if I have to do anything scripted, nope. It's mm-hmm. terrible. Like I, I can talk to people and stuff, but if I have to like memorize something, it's gone out of my brain and I can't like, I don't know why I get like camera anxiety. So, but I'll yeah. do it for you, Elizabeth.
2: Oh no, perfect. And that's totally
3: <laughs> what that event's all
2: about. We don't have scripting. So good, good to hear and we'll be in touch, but I'm excited because I was like, oh no she she's got to be able to get on the camera that's what that event is all about <laughs> well
3: right. and i know like i totally agree with when you're you're trying to figure out what you want to do so you look at other people that are doing it and you you see what they what you like what you don't like so i You know, I have some friends that were showing me, you know, people that did social media well, they weren't doing nursing social media, but they were doing social media well, and I read their books and I kind of watched what they were kind of doing and respected how that they were kind of carrying themselves um, online. And as people and it's like okay like that I, I see what they're doing and I want to adopt the things that I like and the things that I don't like you know I want to learn from their mistakes so, so like I really like that's what kind of what I was doing at the beginning was okay who's good at this and um, how can I learn from them in, in, in their successes and their failures and thankfully a lot of them write books so it's pretty convenient
1: that is extremely convenient and I just want to put a bug in your ear one more time, Katie, that when you and I spoke on the phone last month, we had an awesome conversation about RNFM and what you're doing and you being on the show. And I said, you know, we're starting this new podcast network for nurses and we're going to be tapping you to start a podcast. <laughs> you will be incredible. You'll, you'll burn it up
3: that i could probably i would probably do that
1: okay that you, heard you
0: heard it you heard
3: it he's get the yes get the yes,
2: get the yes, off, yes now yes, yes, oh
0: no yes. now she's like sweating bullets <laughs> oh great great girl you'll heat it <laughs> up I don't without want the to humidity add more stuff to my plate yeah yeah exactly <laughs> I know,
3: but that maybe maybe once i crank these books out nice then i'll need something else to do
0: Nice. Well, and you could always co-host, uh, or have, you know, a few co-hosts with, with another show. You never know because we're trying to tap into all of this mind share that we know that's out there in the nursing community. And there are several people that we've had on the show and we're like, wow, you would be really great. Like having your own show and a couple of you might get together and you just totally rip it up. So. Right. And that's, that's the collective genius that I always like to talk about. Nice. (laughs) Nice. Well, good grief. Boy, we have really done some talking. And Katie, we should be respectful of your time. So we will, of course, list out all of your social media presence out there because we know you are very social, Katie. <laughs> um, but where are a couple places? Obviously, we know nurseeyroll.com. But where are you hanging out most on social media, i.e. like Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Plus, Pinterest? Like where can people find you?
3: Um, okay, so I probably interact the most on Twitter um, at nurseeyroll. That's kind of my main Home base, but um, I've been really trying to develop my Facebook page. Um, so just searching Nurse roll on Facebook and just liking it, and then you'll you'll get my updates. Um, but I, I interact on that one a little bit less because you know if someone's posting too much on Facebook, it gets annoying, right? It you got to only do that a little bit. So that one I don't engage quite as much. Um, I post, you know, information I think is uh, like pretty cool articles and and that kind of stuff. Or uh, I, I post whenever I have a new uh, blog post up. So um, Twitter, Facebook, I have a Tumblr account and it's uh, Nurse Eye so If you just search Nurse Iroll on Tumblr. Um, and what else do I have? I have a Pinterest page. So um, on Pinterest, I'm e Um And then I am on Google plus, but I don't really utilize that very much because it's overwhelming to me and I don't really know how to use it. And that's I'll okay. <laughs> I was, from a
0: technical standpoint, I mean, Google is really transitioning that over to something else with like photos. So it seems to oh. have lost its, um, its mojo its clout with being like a microblogging platform. So it's okay uh-huh. to not really spend a lot of time on Google plus. I was one of the beta adopters early on, but I've Kind of extricated myself from them because they have other ideas about it, so you're it's okay that you feel that way too, yeah, don't worry about it, yeah,
3: yes, I'm on there, but if you send me a message on there, I'm probably not
0: gonna read it. <laughs> that's right
3: <laughs> um and then I think is that it I have a LinkedIn and um
0: I think yeah. that's it. Yeah, we'll yeah we'll put we'll, that we'll put all that oh, stuff yeah. out there we'll it's put secret. it all
1: in the show notes we'll make sure everybody has all the links to all your platforms and we're gonna stay real connected with you too Katie and I know we're all really grateful for you being on the show and it's just been an incredible time with you.
3: Great. I've had a great time hanging out with you guys too. Hey, can I ask a quick question? I'm wondering,
2: you know, we asked you a lot of questions and you answered them wonderfully, but I'm curious, was there anything we didn't ask or anything that, you know, we hoped that we did ask anything you want to say kind of in closing that we didn't speak to?
0: Yeah, that's great. Feel free if if there is something.
2: If not, then we totally ask everything and we're awesome interviewers. Exactly, because we just <laughs> so nailed you're it. You're
3: awesome interviewers. That was pretty all-encompassing. And I liked it because you asked questions that are a little bit different than other podcasts I've done. So I didn't feel like I was repeating myself. Oh, good. So I liked I liked that. Um, you know, what is something I do get um, a question about is how I did this self-publishing Thing because there's a lot of people out there that are trying to do Ooh, self-publishing. yeah, good
0: point. Um,
3: okay. And I can give a little thing about how I did it um, and a, a quick little yeah
0: thing take it away.
3: Um, and it took longer for me, I think because it was the first time I'd ever done it. Um, but you know so I decided to do self-publishing versus going with a publisher for my first book because you know, I didn't really I only had a little bit of a platform and didn't want to take the time it would have taken with working with a publisher. So um, I basically created my manuscript and that's like step one, write your book. I outsourced my editing. So I went to elance.com and hired an editor. I had them edit my book. And then I went to um, bookbaby.com and I had them format it for e-formatting for for the e-copies. And you can do that yourself, but I am not technical enough. not screw that up. So I was very happy to pay somebody to do that. (laughs) And then they outsourced that to all the e-distributors. And when I was in the process of doing that, I've somebody let me know about something called create space on Amazon. Mm -hmm. So it's on demand printing. And I submitted um I well I reformatted it for print and I had to kind of look up how to do that. But that was a lot easier than having to do an e-format and submitted the manuscript to them and took my book cover art and everything that I had paid for book baby to create and submitted it to um, CreateSpace. create space and so whenever someone goes to Amazon to purchase the book it's on demand printing so they print it from their wherever their location is and ship it directly from there so it's like i don't have like hundreds of copies here that i send out to people as they order it Um, nor do I have hundreds of copies and send it to Amazon to send out to people. It kind of cuts out the middleman. I mean, you get a little bit less of a royalty, I think, that way, but it's much, much, much more convenient. Um, So that's kind of how I went through that process. And and when I was working with those companies, you know, you get your ISBN number, which is pretty cheap. Um, So that was kind of my process that I figured out along the way um, (laughs) after screwing some stuff up. And, you know, like I would have, probably paid a lot more for editing. Um, If you read the book, there are a few errors in it that um, really bug me. (laughs) Uh And um, I definitely highly recommend people spending hundreds of dollars on an editor, um, unless you or someone you know, you're very confident in their editing skills. Um, And then if it's a technical book, definitely having people edit it for the technical like nurse procedures like I had my friend that two friends on code teams read my code section to make sure it was appropriate you know that kind of stuff um so that was kind of my process that I went through and um and I get questions about that a lot so
0: that's great right well Well, thank you for sharing that oh yeah And, and I wanted to say you said something much earlier about cheating which you that it's not cheating when you're like repurposing content because the content is there and you flesh it out even further for a book. I mean, we've all done that. So it's actually really smart to do something like that because the blog posts can, you know, they, they capture maybe if, you know, you're lucky a thousand words, 1200 words, but but maybe that story can go on and on and on. Like you can really tease things out and get a little bit more colorful and artistic with with the story itself. So, nothing wrong there. I mean, I think that people need to understand that repurposing content it's totally okay because we repurpose repurpose content for the podcast cuz maybe people aren't reading the blog but they'll listen to the podcast cuz they can take it on the go.
3: Mm. Yeah, so. I was that was one of my concerns at the beginning. I was like, "Oh, are the people that have been reading my blog consistently going to be really mad when they read this same content over and I, no, and I I didn't get one person saying anything like, "Oh man, I'm mad I spent the money because I've already read some of this." So wow. I was that was one of my huge fears, like actually the biggest one. Like when anyone asked anything, it was like I'm worried that people are going to be upset about that. Right? But then didn't hear a word about people being upset about that. So that was really you know unexpected, but good to hear.
0: No, it's it or not hear. No, because <laughs> we we would have posts of of things that. Let's say that only a few thousand people read the post, but say, ten thousand people listened to that particular show that was the actual content. So you you just never know how you're going to capture people. And I think that that's, you know, to to build on what you were saying is to get this book in with the the schools, the nursing schools. I mean, you just got to show that connection. And it doesn't even have to be like these big numbers. Like, let's say, You know, just arbitrarily pulling a number out of 10,000, you know, people like worry about the number of followers, but it's really the, the engagement and that connection. And if people like if a university could see like, wow, this girl has got this, or, you know, this young woman has got this, you know, this deep of a connection at that level, like we can help be the catalyst for a much larger level. And that is really what they should be looking at and hopefully that they will find that so we'll continue to put that out into the ethers through rnfm radio here Yay,
3: thank you <laughs> awesome
0: awesome wow we've really exhausted everything here so keith and elizabeth it's you know it's been fun katie it's a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show so we're gonna have you back don't worry it sounds like you and elizabeth got something maybe something cooking or she's got <laughs> something cooking for you later sounds great awesome absolutely awesome well, as always, community, we appreciate your time, and I know that you spent a little extra time with us today. And of course, spending that time with us and finding us on social media, you can find Elizabeth at Elizabeth Scala, uh, Keith at NurseKeith, Keith, and of course, myself, Kevin Ross at Innovative Nurse. And of course, be sure to follow at Nurse Roll, Katie Kleber out there. I definitely felt uplifted, motivated, and I'm ready to continue moving that needle. So. As we always say, don't give up, seek out those opportunities, invest in those ideas, and remember that failure is merely an opportunity to learn. Let us know what's working or not, as we'd love to hear from you, and we look forward to having you back here with us again on RNFM Radio.